I think in a lot of ways, our folks feel very incapable to to talk about it because they're like, well, bitch, I was depressed too. You didn't see me out here, you know, crying and trying to kill myself, bitch. I went to work. Like I just got up and I did what I had to do. I had to take care of my family and I went to work because it's like, we all was depressed, girl. You're not special, next. <laughs> like. Hey, bays! Welcome, 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 a koaba to a little juju podcast. The Womanist Witchy Insight Podcast, diving deep into pop culture, the Black healing journey, and the ancestral spiritual systems that can help get us free. This is the hashtag Black Ass Spirituality Show, and I'm your host, Juju Bay. I'm a psychic, a hoodoo, an Orisha devotee, and most importantly, a bad bitch. Witch, never forget it. It's how I start my day. Um, it's good to be here again. It's good to record. How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? I hope you're you're well. I'm mostly well. I'm mostly well. At the time of the recording, it's just a lot happening right now. Um, in the world, in life, just like personal situations, but also like political and societal complications, violences, child recession energy, COVID surgings where I'm living and also still wanting to be a part of a lot of things, but trying to keep safe and protect myself. It's just like a lot of, I feel like I'm on a balancing beam, like trying to manage everything that's going on and even the really positive and lovely things that are going on. It's like you have all these great things and then you look outside and it feels like <laughs> everything is like burning down. So then are you, how do you enjoy the things that actually seem to be going well? Like in sometimes you feel a guilt of having fun, like in the midst of turmoil. So I'm I've I've been trying to process that. I'm constantly trying to process that. And also just like not feeling bad for having good days even when things are seemingly very difficult for a lot of people. Um and then not feeling bad when I have bad days. Like it's just y'all know I love the word duality, but it really just encompasses everything. It's 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 just it's everything and nothing at the same time. So that's how I've been feeling. Um, you know, like I said, shit should be hard. It is hard, but what grounds me is that I know that I am and that I descend from persevering people. Like we come from people who have been through stuff and I know it's actually really annoying and frustrating to always be seen as resilient. It's like, I don't want to be resilient. I want to fucking relax. I want to chill. I don't want to have to go through the ringer and be happy that I survived it. So I'm totally, I get that. And like- but we still did survive it though. Like, and we still have the audacity like to continue. And our ancestors had the audacity to continue every day. And that matters like that. That really matters. So that's, and that's what I love about us. That's what I love about being black. Like that, that ability to, to continue with all of that. Like it's, you know, it's so important that we figure out the ways that we can best take care of ourselves and, Quite frankly, the term self-care annoys me and not because I think caring for the self is annoying, but it has become so watered down and rooted in like 
getting your nails painted and taking deep breaths, which I get my nails done. Like, yes, I do want them to be painted and I do have to breathe. But there's just so much more to what it actually means to to care for ourselves, to care for like other people, to extend ourselves, to like maintain our 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 health and and the health of the people around us that we love. So take care of yourself so that that overflow can then we can assist each other. We can be communal, but we can't be communal. If we're out here not being accountable, not showing up for ourselves, not taking care of ourselves, not going to bed, (laughs) you know, like we have to do the things and it's hard. It's super, super hard in a, in a society that does not encourage or uplift us caring for each other or ourselves. So it's always a, it's a process and trying to figure out how to do that. So, and it's not going to look the same for everybody. So as you're doing that, you're taking care of yourself. You're extending that overflow to the people around you um, because we can't do it all on our own and, and we need help. We need each other. And that is why mental health is such an important topic, uh, a very relevant topic, a always relevant topic. I've talked about mental health multiple times on the podcast because it's just, it's never going away. This this conversation is ever evolving too, which is why I think it's important for me to like have regular episodes about it because the ways that I view it, the ways that we're talking about it, the ways that society is holding it, it changes. And for many of you, you all know that I take antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicine, SSRIs or whatever. Um, so yes, yeah, your favorite bad bitch, which is a medicated spiritual hottie. And I love it. It has truly (laughs) saved your girl, okay? But I recognize that it is something that is super conflicting for a lot of people, especially people in the spiritual community. Well, people outside of the damn spiritual community have a lot to say about mental health and if you can take medication and blah, blah, blah. But I think there's a very specific conversation that happens in our communities, spiritual communities or like ones that maybe take a more quote unquote, like natural path around, around medication and around like engaging in the medical industrial complex, which is a valid conversation to have. So I want to have it. So I recently upped my dosage of my medication, my SSRI. It is the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which basically means it's a drug that increases our serotonin levels in our brain. So all the serotonin pops off and we feel better because increased serotonin uplifts our mood and can help counteract the the depression shit, like the anxiety shit. I'm trying to make it simple. Those of you who have been listening for a long time know that I was in grad school to become a psychologist. I was on the path to get a doctorate and then I dropped out because I was so depressed. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I'm in school to be a doctor, to be a counselor. I'm getting all A's and shit. And my ass was so depressed that I fucking left grad school. So shout out to my grad school dropouts, honey. The doctor dropouts. <laughs> Who dropped out before you got the master's on the way to the doctor. Yeah, that was that was me. So yeah, I'm very familiar with mental health from a, because I studied it in undergrad and then uh, graduate, but also as somebody who 
was severely depressed probably until about 20, like 2013, 20, So it's, it's something that again has changed for me because I've been on like almost every side of what it means to <laughs> experience like mental health crises in dealing with people who had crises and also being the one on the receiving end of help and care and having been hospitalized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm really grateful that we are in a place that we can talk about mental health in a particular way. Because when I tweeted about it the other day, I had said that I upped my, my dosage of my anti-anxiety drugs it got all the likes it was like yes you know we're feeling good we're up in the dose we're living life and it's and I have no shame in that I talk about it very openly I'm a, I'm a medicated spiritual hottie and I also talk to dead people and I I definitely get the concerns that a lot of people have around okay so I see dead people I talk to dead people I venerate dead people like how am I supposed to handle that in a psychological setting, like with a therapist or telling a therapist? I will say I'm very blessed in regards to the kinds of therapists that I've had for the most part, for the most part, I've also been deeply traumatized <laughs> by a therapist, but for the most part, I've had really, really great therapists. And like my episodes when I was recording in Chicago, I talked about my therapist. All She carried the show. Honestly, she is a little juju podcast. <laughs> my therapist from Chicago, because she just gave me so much good advice, but she was a witch. I always say she, she was a witch. She saw spirits. She talked to spirits, child. Sometimes the spirits was coming in the damn session, and she would be like, oh, you have a, a muerta, which is like a dead person. That's what they call it in. Espiritismo. She's like, you have a muerta who's here and blah, 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 blah. And your muerta's like, and I'm like, girl, how did you know? A whole witch. She was also a priestess of Oshun. She practiced Lukumi. She also practiced Palo, Mayombe, which is a um a Bantu Congo uh, spiritual religion system. Also, that's also mixed with Cuban spiritualism but anyway she was doing anyway I said all that to say she was doing all of the things and it was super super helpful for me to like constantly talk to her so I, I was able to like be very frank and open and honest about who I was and what I saw in my experiences because she saw the same things and she was a doctor so it's important for me to say that I'm gonna put my my psychology hat on Seeing the dead, having experiences with spirits, hearing voices, um, any of those kinds of things aren't, quote unquote, that that isn't enough to then diagnose someone with some kind of disorder based on the DSM, which is the, the book that psychologists use to diagnose you. Like go through this book and they check off how many of the things is on that list. And if you have enough of those things, then you are clinically diagnosed with blank. So hearing voices, for example, isn't enough on its own to be clinically diagnosed with a thing. The main um, I guess symptom or whatever, there's a better word that I can't think of right now that your therapist and psychologist are looking for is, is the shit 
is it making you not be able to carry out your basic daily functions? Like, can you take care of yourself? Can you make yourself food? Can you eat? Can you clean yourself, etc.? Hearing voices doesn't necessarily impede you from taking care of yourself. But if you if you can't like facilitate and go about getting your basic needs met based on their list, then that's when they start to show concern and looking through a list. So I'm not going to say that every therapist is like super good and that they're paying attention to that, but that's what they should be. So going to a therapist and saying like, hey, I hear voices sometimes when I talk to my spirits. It's not automatically like this bitch crazy. It's not. It's are these spirits telling you to be harmful? Are they telling you that you can't take care of yourself? Are they telling you to hurt someone? Are you going about hurting someone? Are you going about hurting yourself? These are the things that they're looking for. So I hope that's like making sense. I know it's, I know it's, it's a lot. It's complex. This I have a lot to say about this topic. So I'm going to try to stay on track because it's, it's really a lot. It's a lot. I guess my first like thought around it and something that has changed over time is that mental health is really nobody's like having having poor mental health, mental unhealth is not a personal attack on how good we are, how smart we are, how capable we are, how cool we are. Like it has nothing to do with that. It's a culmination of a a lot of things that are impacting how we feel. And as I started off the show, there's a lot of shit going on in the world that impacts how we fucking feel. Like it's a culmination of, sure, some personal stuff. It's a culmination of how the fuck my caretakers took care of me and how I felt and interpreted that care. It's the societal bullshit going on. It's misogyny. It's homophobia, it's transphobia, it's ableism, it's poverty, it's all of these fucking things impact how we feel. Even to going outside and what you see when you leave your home, it can impact how you feel. I feel super down when I look outside my own fucking house when I leave my house because of what I see and where I live in the area that I live. Like, That doesn't mean that I'm not (laughs) capable when something is wrong with me. It's actually a very real response to all of the things that we experience as people. And so what I want you to do is to remove that self-blame that you may have about being weak or that you didn't do something right in order to arrive at the place that you are. Shit is what it is, yo. And it's hard. And it's not a personal attack on you, even when you don't feel your best um, and your mental health doesn't feel like it's at its best. Because who is at their best? I would like to know. I would like to have you on the show. <laughs> really. Um, so it's taken me a lot to get to this point. As I said before, I was super, 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 super sad until about 2015. About 2015, I told you I've I've been hospitalized before. I was kicked out of my undergrad for forced medical leave because of it. This was a separate time than the hospitalization. 
Like my mental health has really had me in a chokehold. <laughs> my mental unwellness has had me in a chokehold for a very long time. And honestly, I will say that it shifted tremendously once I started communing and connecting to my ancestors and found like spiritual homes and medicines, not necessarily meaning like my uh, prescribed medicines, but like my spiritual medicines and having godparents and having to go through certain rituals that helped alleviate some of those things. So I say all the time, my ancestors saved my life and they did it. Like it's, it's not to say that I don't have my bad days. I definitely do. Hence I'm on medication. You know, I have my days, but the extent to how horrible it has been for me, I've never felt that pain that I used to feel that I felt from like kindergarten, which is when it, it really first started. So yeah, that's why I go so hard, like for my, my spiritual hygiene and my spiritual work, because baby, it saved me. So it, it's super important to understand that as early I named, it's the societal shit shit is the personal shit but let's underline my family shit because some of the stressors the stress the pain the anxiety even when we our self-esteem feels like shit we're talking to ourselves sometimes it's not you sometimes it's the spirits sometimes it's the trauma that you inherited No shade. But especially if you are a black American, um, that's a lot of its own shit that some of our spirits haven't even worked through or around. I.E. I literally am descended from people who were enslaved. That has an impact on how I feel about myself even if it's not obvious, there are definitely things that are happening subconsciously and consciously, but especially subconsciously and spiritually that I'm inheriting about how I feel about myself, how I feel about my work, um, how I feel about rest, because I'm descended from people who had so much trauma and pain that we're just now getting to a place in our culture where we're talking about it just now, like just today, like maybe just a couple of years. And this is like 400 years of trauma. And that's just talking about chattel slavery. We ain't touched on nothing else, right? So in my ancestral work, some of the, the healing is not just about me. It's been, I have to do an elevation ritual for my ancestors. And the elevation ritual is... There's different ways to do them, but it it's like I often do nine days of like intense prayer for my ancestors, like the people who are dead and gone so that they know that they can like release themselves of whatever stress and pain and struggle that they still feel even after death. Because we know in, in my tradition, just because you die, I don't mean everything is just cleansing. You're like, oh, free, I'm in heaven. Like, People take things with them to other realms. They're not supposed to, but when you experience so much, sometimes it's hard for them to let it all go. So 
that ancestral elevation is me doing intense prayer every day. Hey, y'all, you don't have to hold on to this. You're not enslaved anymore. Some of them don't even know. Some of them died so traumatically. In my tradition, when you die in a traumatic way, sometimes your spirit doesn't fully cross over. So some of them don't even know that they're not enslaved anymore. Some of them don't even know that we're not enslaved in those same ways anymore. So it's like a it's like a nine-day healing affirmation elevation workshop. And that's that's super important because obviously our ancestors, whether you know them or not, informed how our family feels about mental health. So, <laughs> you know, we have our ancestors and then we have our elders and then we have our caretakers, our parents, etc. And people say this all the time about black folks. Like, you know, we don't talk about mental health. You know, that we, black people don't know how to talk about mental health. I think that we do actually talk about it a lot more. But sure, we could do better. Yes. And we also have this thing of like, okay, well, I know the Lord going to take care of my problems. Like, <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want to you know god is in control you know the devil the way we give the devil so much credit child the devil's probably like that's not me that's not me that's you i know we like to bash you know those those people who are like god is in control but i think it comes from somewhere as somebody who studies indigenous religion the importance of spirit and spirits impact on everything that we do because everything is actually just a spiritual experience. I get how when we're in a Christian context or whatever sort of Abrahamic religious context we're in, all of that, this is spirit is translating into God devil, this dichotomy. So, you know, growing up, I definitely had the experience of, as I said, super depressed as a child, been in therapy for a very long time. My first attempt to leave this this godforsaken earth is how I felt at the time was in was in seventh grade and my teachers I don't remember how my teachers found out but they found out and they had to go to the counselor and then they had to call my parents it was a whole thing and my father was like you know that's just some white people shit I don't know what to do with this like I didn't even know this is shit that black people experienced. And that lives in my head rent-free. And again, this happened in seventh grade. That lives in my head rent-free. Not because I think that is true. And when I was in seventh grade, even though I was wildly depressed at the time, I knew that that was not true and that it was extremely ignorant. But it, it really just, I think, shows like the lack of like care that I needed when I was young and vulnerable and extremely sad, like, bro, like you're my fat. Yo, like, did y'all, did y'all, are we clear? Like I'm supposed to be hospitalized right now, but a doctor was like, no, I don't want to put her in there because she's so young. I think that that experience of being told, not just being told that this is some white people shit, but also there was no follow-up. It was like, okay. Because this is white, <laughs> we're not white. It was swept under the rug. And I think that that speaks to a lot of black folks' experiences. Even if you weren't told something like that directly, just the sweeping of it under the rug, the lack of follow-up, the lack of care, 
the lack of support um, for a variety of reasons. I think in a lot of ways, our folks feel very incapable to to talk about it because they're like, well, bitch, I was depressed too. You didn't see me out here, you know, crying and trying to kill myself, bitch. I went to work. Like I just got up and I did what I had to do. I had to take care of my family and I went to work and, you know, I was dealing with this and we was dealing with that. And so it's kind of like, it's a pull yourself up by the bootstrap. Cause it's like, we all was depressed girl. You're not special next. <laughs> like, and um, it's really not funny, but I guess, <laughs> I don't know, laugh to the pain. But I think that's what a lot of our elders have felt. And so you, you start to garner a lot of shame around mental health and then you see the people you know the people in your family or your friend groups or the elders that don't seem like they are okay but everyone just kind of like lets them be like the family alcoholic who clearly has been through a lot but that's just what they do they just a drinker like that's their coping that's how we let them cope or just the strange family member that always just seemed a little off. And you're like, you know, Uncle Uncle Terry a little off. But, you know, that's Uncle Terry, you know. Did Uncle Terry get help? They're like, what? You know? We have the cousin who just never got their life together. That's just, they just never ain't get their life together. They did this. They've been in and out of jail. Or they, they run the streets. So, all I'm naming all these things because all these things impact what we project onto ourselves and what we project onto other people about our mental health journeys, particularly as black people. So I never thought that I was weak. I just thought there's just no way to feel any other way. Like I thought it was the norm. Like, okay, I'm extremely sad every day. I don't want to live. I'm not motivated to do anything. I don't do anything. Like I didn't realize that there was a way that I could not feel like that. And I think lots of folks experience that too. Um, I've I've encouraged people in my family, I don't know if y'all have, like to seek out mental health counseling and, you know, talking to my elders. I talk to my grandmother specifically. I get my anxiety from my sweet grandmother, Ruth. <laughs> Bless her heart. That is the most anxious woman I have ever met in my life. Ever. And, and probably the anxious woman I will ever meet in my life. Everyone knows that. That is who she is. And I was like, Grandma Ruth, you know there are things to help you. And I told her my story. She didn't know about my suicidality. She didn't know about me being hospitalized. She didn't know about any of that. And she just was like blank. Like she didn't even know how to respond to what I said. She actually really didn't respond. She was just like, yeah, well, I'm not doing that because I don't want y'all thinking that I'm this, blah, blah, blah. Again, that projection that I don't want y'all thinking I'm crazy. I'm not crazy just because y'all crazy. Well, you just telling me this story because it sounds like you crazy. But that ain't me. Like, I'm sorry, you crazy, but you crazy. And I'm like, okay, just was trying to have a little moment, girl. But he just like, all right. So yeah, she's still very much not, you know, addressing it. And, you know, we try our best and it is what it is. So according to the Columbia University Department of Psychiatry, the black community suffers from an increased rate of depression and anxiety due to existing at the intersection of racism, classism, and health inequity. Who's surprised there? All you need is a little juju. Raise your hand if you're surprised. Okay, my hand is down. Um, 
historical adversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping, and race-based exclusion from health, educational, social, and economic resources, translates into socioeconomic disparities experienced by Black and African American people today. Socioeconomic status, in turn, is linked to mental health. Like, it's, it's a lot of things that are happening in the world that impact how we feel, and to feel sad about that pathologizing being so sad because shit is sad is kind of wild. So I think therapy gives us a space to have tools and to be able to navigate such a harsh reality. Um, But it is not the end all be all. And so I think it's important for us to, to, to move into understanding the duality we we may need therapy. We also need a revolution. We also need to be telling the fucking truth, really speaking truth to power. We should, if we need it, go to the doctor and feel empowered that it's okay to be on medication and take your SSRIs. And you might need a ritual. It might not just be about the chemicals in your brain. It could also be an ancestor who ain't crossed over, who is wreaking havoc in your life. My uh, my ancestors and my Orisha and my spirit guides, my my team, they are constantly talking to me to me about my mental health because they they know that they have to and they have seen the trajectory of my life and my experiences. So. It's an important topic that comes up regularly. My spirits encouraged me to be in therapy. And sometimes I can take breaks and it's cool. And I'll like have gone a few months and they're like, okay, bitch, it's probably time. Like you might want to strap up. Got some things coming up in the next few months. Maybe overwhelming. It's best you enroll. (laughs) And so I listen, I enroll. So they're super um, flexible and open to the idea of therapy. They actually really like the concept of therapy. Many of them have not been in therapy before, but they experience it through me and they really enjoy it. So I I have had my spirits encourage therapy. Um, They also encourage uh, white baths, which I think we have a question that that, uh, I'll answer this more in depth, but... I'll take a white bath, which is a a ritualized spiritual bathing form to heal through mental health. And there's other rituals as well. Sometimes there is spiritual attack. Sometimes I hate to say it, you know, I I hate to admit it, but like people be hexing your girl. (laughs) Like people also throw bad juju all the time. So sometimes when I feel a little off and like, things don't seem right and I'm on my meds and I'm doing my thing and I'm in therapy, it's actually work. Like it's, it's work being thrown. So then I have to like do a ritual and releasing myself from the work or I need to do Ebo, which is sacrifice or blah, blah, blah. Like sometimes a chicken's head needs to cut off. Like there's so many different things that happen, but yes, my ancestors are super involved in um, my mental wellness and my mental health. There is an, an entire Orisha Obatala who is with me so much. I love Obatala, who who presides and loves and really cares for people who experience um, disabilities and not just like um, with mental health, but also physical disabilities. So there are whole spirits over this 
energy. There are spirits who guard our, our mental health. And sometimes it may mean that you have to build a relationship with Batala or whatever spirit is relevant in your tradition that you're following. Um, so yes, there's, there's so many different ways to skin a cat, as the old folks say. But there really, there really is. And, and that's all of those medicines work together for me and how I maintain my own peace. Okay, so on to our next segment. It is the herb of the week, the herb bay of the day. Um, today, we're going to talk about ginkgo biloba or maiden hair. So there's actually a, a an herb that's native to China. It's not native to the U.S., nor is it um, something that is used in like ATR specifically. This is Chinese medicine. But as I say on this show, the Chinese really got the medicine. Like the Africans and the Chinese, like those medicines for me just do wonders. And this this herb is now used more commonly throughout the U.S. and is used in hoodoo because cultural exchanging, a adopting new herbs, what we have access to, et cetera. And ginkgo is one. So I've actually never used ginkgo myself, but I know people who do, which is why I added it here because it is traditionally used to do a lot of different things. It is an antioxidant. It can help fight inflammation. It can improve uh, heart health and blood flow and blood circulation. Um, but specifically because we're talking about mental health, ginkgo is constantly like being evaluated to reduce stress, uh, to reduce anxiety and also symptoms of Alzheimer's. When I was doing my research and like what they call cognitive decline, it can help dementia, memory loss, Alzheimer's, etc. Um, now of course, you know, when you go to do your research, Check it out, see how you feel, see how your body reacts to it. The WebMDs and the medical research will say there's not a lot of research that supports ginkgo as a helpful tool as an antidepressant. But you know what that is. It's just white men and white people trying to take over the medical industrial complex and not wanting us to use our herbs. But for the people that I know who use ginkgo, it's chef's kiss. They take it regularly. Um, they enjoy it. They say that it does help boost their moods um, and their overall well-being. So I would look into ginkgo. There's different ways to to have it uh, or to use it. It could be in you know herb form, like in a capsule type form. I believe tea form as well. There's also St. John's wort. I've used that before. I've found benefits with St. John's wort, really good with depression, sadnesses. And um, kava, I used to love, when I was in Chicago, I was a kava girl, K-A-V-A. I loved using kava. I know most of supposed to be naming one, but then all the other things came to mind because you just want to, you know, give me your little options to try out, talk to your herbalist, talk to, do your research. I'm not a doctor, okay? But just sharing what has been helpful for me. Alrighty, y'all. So it's time to get into our listener letters, really our listener voicemails. And if you are on Patreon, you can send me a voicemail 
Each week we'll have a different topic that you can put your questions in. So if you want to hear your voice on a Little Juju podcast, feel free to send a question. All right, let's get into our first one. So my question is like tips on finding balance. Um, Like right now, just complete life is this completely stressful. I'm nine months pregnant and I barely feel like cleaning my own house and cooking for myself. Um, So when it comes to like taking care of my altar and my ancestral altar, I have been slacking. I'm not even going to hold you. Like I'm sometimes just just like throwing a cup of coffee up there just to give them something. And I feel like, I don't know if it's just me being scared, but I feel like I'm losing my relationship and I'm, you know, I'm still getting, feel like I'm getting guidance, but I feel like the connection is not as strong because I just haven't had the energy to either sit at my altar to take care of it like I'm supposed to in these last few months. And it's just like finding the balance. Like, what can I do? Like, it's ways around it. Like, I don't even know how to ask the question, but like, what can I do to find the balance? And I think everybody is probably struggling with that because life has just been hard and it's exhausting just existing sometimes. So... Like, if you could just speak on your tips for how you keep going when your mental health is just a little raggedy. Thank you so much for that question. And we're actually going to play another question because it's so similar and I can answer them together. Hey, um, so I was wondering, um, as it pertains to mental health and spirituality, um, obviously, you know, um, most of us who practice uh, it involves a lot of a discipline, um, you know, from that's from things to, you know, spiritual hygiene, like, you know, waking up and saying your head prayers to offerings to uh, baths to rituals, all of this. Do you think that I don't I wouldn't say our ancestors get angry with, with us, but do you think that um like, okay, for example, like me, you know, I go through bouts of depression. I have manic depression. So sometimes I wake up, I don't feel like praying. I don't. Uh, sometimes I don't feel like going to the shrine every day. Some days I don't, you know, necessarily feel like cooking or eating for myself or even showering, much less doing anything else, I guess, spiritual. So, I mean, do you think our ancestors hold us accountable for that? Or, you know, I, I don't know. Am I even asking this correctly? Thank you all so much for those really great, 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 great questions. So good. Um, and I get these questions a lot. First, I want us to just like take a little bit of the pressure off of feeling like that we have to do, do, do constantly and seeing our ancestral work, it is work, but seeing it as this laborious, time-consuming job. It is a part of us. It is an extension of us and an extension of our lives and experiences. It is not something that you feel like I am not performing so I'm not going to be spiritually rewarded for the thing. That is what living in a capitalist society teaches us, that everything is about our work performance. And if I don't show up and I don't do this right, I will be punished. 
I'm going to be punished by not getting paid. I'm going to be punished by not getting a promotion, or I'm going to be punished and not getting blessings from my spirits because I'm depressed. That is not, that is not a beneficial and healing way to look at this extension of who we are. So take a deep breath. If you're listening to this and you feel that way and release yourself from the projections of capitalism that you are placing on your spiritual health. That's number one. Number two is that our ancestors get it. You think we're the first people to ever be depressed or have some hard times or experience this or deal with mental health issues? No. They know What I love so much about ancestral veneration, I mean, I love all spirits. I love the deities. I love the gods. I love, but our ancestors get it because they were human. So if anybody knows what it's like to not feel like doing some shit, it's our ancestors first to me. And so if you're like, you know what? I can't clean my altar today and sit there and like no incense and do the prayers and give y'all no coffee. I didn't even eat today. I don't feel like, don't feed them. (laughs) Tell them, hey, y'all, it's one of those days. I love you. Help me through this so that I can show up for myself in a way that I want to and thus you. That's it. That's the prayer. It doesn't have to be... The work, 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 I got to do this. I got to put the whites on. Then I got to put my leggings on. Then I got to wrap my head up. And then I got to clean the thing up. And then I put the Florida water on. And then I got to light the sage. And then I got to light the incense. Then I got to do the sandalwood. It's that sometimes. Yes. But it doesn't, it's not that all the time. This is an extension of you. When you're not feeling it, they, they like got you. We got you. If anything, just ask for help. And that's the prayer. Ancestors, I ain't ain't got it today. I need help. You know, it's okay to to do that and and be honest with them in that way. They want you to be. Really, they learn from it. Because a lot of times, like we said earlier, our ancestors didn't even have the space to be like, y'all, I'm tired. Like, I can't. They just did, 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 did. Let them experience and know what it's like to not do. We're breaking the generational curses with this. If you have spirits that require a lot more and they need things and they constantly need to be fed or you have rituals that you regularly need to do, tell them to make it easier on you so you can do it. Otherwise, it ain't getting done. So who benefits? Not y'all. Y'all need a lot. Help me get a lot done. Otherwise, it ain't happening. Give me the medicine. Give me the tools. Give me the new, like, tell them. It's your life. At the end of the day, we do this because we want to and we value our spirits and we want to do the healing and we want to heal generations ahead and generations back. But it's your life. It's not their life. It's your life. So you take care of yourself in your life and they will get the extension of what you have left if you have anything left. If you don't, you don't. That's my take. So remember, y'all, as the medicated spiritual hottie, it's okay to take your drugs. It's okay to be on your medicine. And it's okay to not, if that's not your vibe or you've 
found difficulty with medication. It's about your specific experience, your body and your journey. Also, we can bring our family along with us when we're talking about mental health and we can we can be open about it with them. But sometimes they ain't gonna get it. And that's okay. We can only bring along who wants to come. Do what you have to do for you. Now, mental health programs that I'm familiar with, I know folks often want to talk to and be therapized by people who look like them or are in specific communities. So finding directories that allow you to like filter through what you may want. Um, Like if you want a person of color, I just learned about cliniciansofcolor.com. That's something that you can use. Therapy for Black Girls is really popular. I've never, actually I have used Therapy for Black black Girls and I did find a therapist through there, which she was great. Um, There's also Therapy for Black Men. Never heard of that, but I found out about that yesterday. Um, You know what I think could also be really cool? Like maybe creating support groups because we can take care of each other. What I say can help you and what someone else says can help me. Like if we're in a little group or space, or maybe you have some friends where y'all do regular check-ins, y'all do a Zoom call, you know, every other week um, as a resource and and talk about what has been helping you, whether that's spiritually or medicinally, that can be super helpful as well. So be patient. You, you might not get it today. You might not get it tomorrow. You might not get it next year. But remember that healing is is not linear. It is a cycle. It is it is cyclical. It is a part of a life experience. It's just ups and it's downs. So don't shy away from when you're in a different part of your cycle because that's all it's all a part of it and it's all okay. Okay. So don't be afraid to try what works for you and what helps you. Big, big shout out to all of my patrons and those who support me in all the ways. If you would like to and you love a little juju podcast, you get in your life. If it's a part of your healing. OK, this could be a part of your healing Rolodex. If this is a part of your your healing and you want to get some special content from me as well, please join us over on the Patreon. We have a beautiful community over there and anything helps. I appreciate you all. Um, And also remember, if you join Patreon, you get to send me voicemails and get spiritual advice from me. So thank you all so, so much again for tuning in weekly to hear me. (laughs) Remember, if you'd like to keep up to today's conversation, hashtag a little juju podcast spelled just how it sounds or ALJ pod on social media. You can also follow the Instagram page for the podcast at a little juju podcast on the gram. If you would like to bring me Juju Bay, the bad bitch, witch, the, the spiritual hottie to your school or organization to speak, teach, do a workshop about hashtag black as spirituality and ancestral religions and systems. Feel free to contact me via my email, juju at itsjujubae.com. 
www.thebrandedmama.com and let's get it popping, shawty. Let's get right. Let's heal. Fuck the system. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later. Our producers are Kenya Denise and Alexandra De Palma. A little juju 